0: I want your mind to drift back a couple thousand years, a time before there were cars and planes and internet and email and fast food and shopping malls and chips and salsa. Uh, A sad day, really. (laughs) It was a couple thousand years ago, a time before this thing that we're in this morning, church, actually was happening. Jesus was just beginning his earthly ministry, and he'd selected a motley group of young men to join him in this new endeavor. And I don't think these young men had any idea of what they were getting into when they signed up uh, to follow Jesus. Um, uh, they just knew that he was unlike anyone they'd ever met before. He didn't talk like other people. He didn't teach like other people. I mean, his teaching methods were unconventional, uh, cutting edge, if you will, for that time, but uh, Then he supported his claims and his teaching with with miracles, and that was clearly an oddity they'd never seen before. And yet, they just loved to spend time with him. They found everything he said to be so fascinating. And so, as we begin this morning talking about what does it take to spark a movement of God, uh, we're going to look at one of Jesus' sermons We're going to look at something that Jesus taught and see if we can learn some things from him today to talk about this. Because quite frankly, what we're going to read today initiated the greatest movement of all time. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them and he said... Heavenly Father, as we read the words of Jesus this morning. God, I pray that they would fall on our hearts as they fell in the hearts of the disciples in the crowd that gathered on the mountainside that day. May we understand the words of Jesus. Father, may we fall, just follow in the footsteps of the disciples. May we May we be the people you've called us to be. May we do what you want us to do. So, Father, I pray this morning you'd open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive that which you'd have us to see this morning. We dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if I was looking to start a movement, if I wanted to lay the framework for some kind of revolutionary uh, idea... Uh, if I wanted to introduce some kind of a new value system or moral system, a new worldview, a new approach to life, I'm not sure that the words that Jesus just used are the words that I would use to get people excited to get behind me in this new movement. And yet, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. The crowd Jesus was speaking to, quite frankly, were probably just hoping that he would lay out a plan to overthrow the Roman government. Uh, you know, he just wanted, they, they were just wanting him to, to get rid of that empire. They were ready for change. They were tired of being forced to worship Jupiter and all the other Roman gods. And so Jesus launches this new movement. And this is the way he does it. He says, this is is what you're going to be. You're going to be poor and sad and meek and righteous and pure and peaceful and persecuted. Well, now that doesn't sound like a real exciting plan if you ask me. And it probably didn't sound real exciting to them as well. And yet, 300 years after Jesus spoke those words to the motley group that he was with, the world had changed. The gospel of Jesus was everywhere and nobody was worshiping Jupiter anymore. The culture Jesus was speaking into was not a world where morals and behaviors were determined by any kind of values, it's a world where uh, might made right. If you had the power, you set the agenda. You had the biggest army, you called the shots. You 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 set the rules. Morals and ethics, they didn't matter. What matters is, is who had the power. And in this culture, women had no rights, and children had even fewer. Mercy, compassion, generosity, these were not virtues. They were behaviors of the weak and their mindset. Now here we are in the great United States of America, and we can't imagine a world like that. But the reality is it's true in other parts of the world even today. There are many countries on this planet who still hold to the same worldview that was prevalent 2,000 years ago. What we often fail to appreciate in our Western world is as much of what we consider common human decency, what we might call common courtesy, is not common. It's learned. It's learned. In America, the Judeo-Christian ethic goes deep into our culture. This isn't just how Americans are. It's how Americans learned to be. We still reflect the fundamental values that she, Jesus began to teach in his earthly ministry, starting at the Sermon on the Mount that we just read. Because his words truly do transform culture. Now, if we're going to be honest this morning, as a country, we haven't always got things right. There have been times when we clearly dropped the ball, where we didn't treat people right. But eventually, over time, we've, we've, worked, to, we've worked to fix that. We've worked to right out many of these wrongs. But here's what I know. If we stop teaching these morals and values and behaviors that Jesus taught, if we fail to teach them to the next generation, you will be shocked at how quickly America reverts to being a pagan culture. You think, well, certainly it couldn't happen. This is the United States? Yes, it it can happen. As a matter of fact, we're seeing it happen right before our very eyes. So when I say, and you've heard me say it dozens of times, that I want Venture Church to spark a movement of God in southwest Florida, I'm not saying that we're going to do something new and unique that's never been done before. What I'm saying is, is we need to go back to the original script that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount and make that our plan and do what Jesus told us and left us to do. And if that means we're poor and, and if we're, we're sad and meek and we're righteous and pure and peaceful and persecuted, then so be it. But you know what he said right after he said those things? Let's pick it up in verse 11, 13. He said this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. In Jesus' day, they didn't have refrigeration, uh, they didn't have canners, they didn't have vacuum-packed things that they could seal their meat sticks in and the, things like this. They packed things in salt, and salt creates some kind of a chemical change that prevents bacteria uh, you know, from activating, and it, and it stops or at least significantly slows down decomposition. Without salt in those days, uh, food would rot and decompose very quickly. It would start to stink. And... and Jesus' audience that day understood what Jesus was saying when he says, you're the salt of the earth. He's saying, it's your job to preserve culture. It's your job to keep this place from rotting and stinking. We're to season our culture with the truth of who Jesus Christ is and we're to do what Jesus Christ left us to do. We say, well, how how exactly are we supposed to season the world? Well, Jesus Christ. I mean it says in the Bible with with our speech in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Let your conversation be always full of grace. Look at this, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. How do we season the world? We season we season the you know the world with, with what we say, with what we teach, with how we talk, as we teach them the faith that was passed on from Jesus and from generation to generation. You and I, as we hold the word of God, we hold the message of truth. And it's our responsibility to pass this message on from generation to generation. There are so many bad influences in the world today. And we need positive influences. We need people who will stand for what is right. We need people who will stand for what is good. And if there was ever a time for For the church of God to stand for what is right this is that time. We've been called by God to make a difference in the world. Not just get along to go along. Amen? Jesus gave us a great commission. Jesus gave us a great commandment. The great commission was to go to the ends of the earth. The great commandment is to love people, love God, and love people. Love your neighbor. Because we've been called to be an influence not just somebody who skates along until you get to go to heaven. That was never the message that Jesus said, hey, pray this prayer and then just enjoy the ride and I'll call you into heaven. That was never anything that Jesus taught. He said, listen, it's going to be tough. People are going to come against you because they came against me. And if you align with me, they're going to they're come against you. We're, we're, we're called to influence the world to stand against culture. Jesus said, you're salt. But not only that, in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let's go back to verse 14, the first few words. You are the light of the world. Well, think of this. He told them that you're the light of the world, but Do you realize that the majority of people that he was speaking to that day never wandered more than 15 miles from where they were born? Their world was so small compared to our world. They didn't travel. They weren't getting on planes and trains and buses. They didn't know about North America, South America. They didn't know about Brazil. They they didn't know about any of us. Any parts of the world like this. And yet Jesus said, you're going to be a light to, he didn't say your region. He didn't say you're going to be a light to Jerusalem or Galatia or or, or Nazareth. He didn't say you're going to be a light to that sphere. He said you're going to be a light to the world. Even though they only had seen a fraction of the world. And yet, because of them, here we are today, right? Because of them, they did light the world Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now you see, this is where I believe the rubber meets the road. This is so powerful. Jesus saying, I want you to live your life in such a way that when people see your good deeds, they glorify the Father. Now sometimes we mess that up. We get this idea when when they see our good deeds, they say, what a good person you are. Boy, you're great. Pat me on the back. Put me in the paper. Tell everybody how wonderful I am. Just know you're missing the point. The point isn't you do good deeds so you get a pat on the back. You do good deeds so you show people you love them and they recognize the fact that God used you to help them. And that way he gets glorified and not us. We're not about glorifying the church. We're about glorifying God. God. We're not about glorifying an individual. We want to do our deeds so that they see God at work in their lives. And when we show up, they they marvel at our generosity. They marvel. Like you're bringing us food. You meet, you know, I can't tell you the number of people when we even show up to their house to muck out their houses and 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 pull out the drywall and the carpet and the cabinets and the vanities and get down and all this stuff. Oftentimes, the the, the homeowner would pull me aside and say, Hey, uh, what's this gonna cost? Like, that's just it. We're doing this for God. God sent us to you. We're just here to be a blessing to you because God wants us to bless you. And it just blows people's minds. You see, what we want them to do is to connect the dots between we are being followers of Jesus Christ, doing what Jesus said to do, and therefore they should glorify God, not us. That's what we want them to do. We want to connect the dots between God is using us to, to, to be a blessing to them. We're just following the teachings of Jesus. And, and, and as we follow Jesus, the works and the deeds that we do should be so extraordinary that people are just blown away, but there are people out there today that love God so much that they would do those kind of things. That was truly remarkable. That's what we want them to see. We want people to see that we are servants of God, doing His work. We want Him to get the glory, because we're just we're just doing what Christians are supposed to do. You know, back in history, it was. In the first century, it was the Christians who would go down to the river and gather the abandoned babies and children who had been discarded because their parents didn't want them or couldn't take care of them. And they would just take them down to the river. It was the Christians who went down to the river and gathered the babies and children and took them home and raised them in their homes. When plagues broke out, the pagan priests... Were usually the more educated people in the society. And when they would recognize that a plague was breaking out, they would gather their stuff and they would be the first ones out of town because they knew that death was coming. But the Christians didn't run when the plagues hit. The Christians are the ones that stayed and nursed people through the plagues, even though many of them got sick and died. Many of them lost their families. But they were the ones who ministered in love. See, that's how you start a movement. You do what nobody else is going to do. You do what Jesus calls you to do. In the days following Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, they lived just a completely different lifestyle uh, than what we do. It was this Roman-Greek community. And the Romans and the Greeks, they were so anti-Christ followers, Christians, that the early Christians were, were tortured They were martyred. They were killed. But guess what? Within a few hundred years, they had turned the world upside down. Not because of their good preaching. Not because of their good teaching. Not because of good music. But because of powerful living. They took seriously the call to be the salt of the earth, to be light in their generation. You see, powerful living is the spark that ignites movements of God. Powerful living. Venture Church, the key to sparking a movement of God in Southwest Florida is when the people of Southwest Florida see our church being salt and light in the community. When they see that we're not just a religious organization, but that we actually are the hands and feet of Jesus, getting out there and doing his work that they'll begin to connect the dots to the fact that we serve God Almighty. When we started Venture Church nearly six years ago, we wanted to do things differently. I've been pastoring for, for 24 years, and we said if we're going to start a new church, we're going to do things differently. We're, gonna, we're, we're just going to be a little different in the way that we approach things. We want to be a church that has a global impact, that has a heart for the world We don't want to just have a missions program and just write a check for 10 percent of the general fund budget and send it to missionaries all over, not knowing who it's going to or what they're doing or not really paying much attention. We, we want to actually we want to be the missions program. We want to go out and train the pastors. We want to go out and, and be the missionaries, and so that's what we have done through leadership outreach. 12 countries, 30 training centers, 800 students, currently hundreds of students that have been graduated from our program already. I believe in the next 10 years, we'll be in 30 countries with 10,000 students yearly. It is growing exponentially, and it really is remarkable, and it's all done in-house. It's, it's, it's what we do. When we started Venture, we didn't want to just be a church in the community. We wanted to be a church that gets involved In the community, that serves the community. And so you've seen that with the Venture Cares mobile market that we'll be rolling out here as soon as the trailer gets finished. And we're gonna, even that, the food pantry, the way we're doing it is gonna be completely different from anything else that's happening in Collier County. We didn't want to just have a youth and children's program. We wanted to be in the schools, in the, at the sports games, on the fields, on the sidelines, building relationships and changing lives. Aubrey, our youth director, spoke at a, at a, at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes event this week and close to 15 students gave their life to Jesus Christ. Amen? <laughs> is Aubrey in here? Yeah, Aubrey is in here. There she is. Yes. Uh, so exciting. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to take to ignite a movement of God in our community. And I don't know if any of us in this room will actually be there when it happens, but we can pray for it. We can work towards it. We can do the work that Jesus left us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit and just pray that God shows up and does some incredible things So I want you to know, we're not pursuing a movement. We're pursuing the master of the movement, and his name is Jesus. We're pursuing Jesus. We're we're taking what Jesus taught us, and we're trying to live it out to the best of our ability because I believe that just as what Jesus said 2,000 years ago sparked a movement then, that if we'll just do what Jesus says to do today, it can spark a movement today. I believe that. What did Jesus say to do? What does a movement look like? I mean, it, it looks like loving people. It looks like meeting needs and mending broken hearts and comforting the lonely and healing the sick and providing the basic needs to the poor. That's what it looks like because that's what it looked like in the days of Jesus. If we want to spark a movement of God, and all likely it's going it's to happen in a way that we least expect it because here's what I know. You cannot manufacture a movement of God. We can't just do it because we did. you do A, B, C, and D, then this is guaranteed going to happen. That's not the way it works. When God chooses to show up in a powerful way, we hit, the, we hit our knees and we just marvel at him. And it's my prayer that as we pray and seek God's face, as we commit to his teaching and serving other people, that one day his favor will rest upon us one day, his glory will pass by us. One day, his train will fill our temple. One day, his overwhelming presence will drive us to our knees as it did in the Old Testament time. That we will just be in awe of God. After the resurrection, the disciples were blown away. After the crucifixion, the disciples were distraught, uh, what's happening where do we go from here what you know they didn't see it coming they were, they were, they were blind to what was going on and uh, you know they gathered together in a in a room and they were probably talking about the, what had happened in the crowds and the crucifixion and Jesus and and what are we going to do from here and and what does this look like and how are we you know what's going to happen and as they were there meeting and talking Jesus walked in right remember that Jesus walked in and presented himself in his resurrected body, and they were elated. Do you know what? Thomas missed it. Right? Thomas wasn't there. Thomas didn't show up for church that day. Thomas decided to grab coffee and a cup, some donuts, and he decided to hang out with his family that day. Can you imagine how disappointed Thomas must have felt when he found out that Jesus showed up and he missed it. What's the moral of the story? It's simply this. Don't miss church because you never know if Jesus is going to show up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. I heard a preacher say one time, "I just want to be on Main Street when Jesus comes into town," right? You know. We can't manufacture a movement, but Lord willing, we can set the we we can we can work together to set the conditions. So that if God chooses to show up in a powerful way, you know, we're there for that. And and folks, that's really what I'm praying for and what I would love to see. I would love to see a movement of God get sparked in Southwest Florida that's bigger than Venture Church, that's bigger than any one of us, but that truly transforms culture and turns this world upside down, just like the disciples did. 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> so, as you hear me give the vision statement of Venture Church over and over again, as we are seeking to spark a movement of God in Southwest Florida, now you understand what it is we're talking about. For the last six weeks, and I wrap up our Why Church series today, for the last six weeks, we've been talking about why church? Why does it, it matter? Why bother? Does it, does it even make a difference? If you say, well, that's a good question, well, they need to go back and listen to the last six weeks' sermons because I've talked about, you know, all of these things community and discipleship and service and fellowship and, and you know, <clears throat> just all the different aspects of why church is important. And the final one today is, is that we really want to spark a movement of God. We want to turn this world upside down as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission in our generation. <clears throat> and I announced at the beginning of this series, that for the first time in our church's history, we're going to be opening up the church to membership. We've not accepted members. Uh, we've not been a membership organization uh, since we started the church in 2016. And uh, we, we said that uh, uh, at the end of this series, we are going to be opening it up for folks who would like to become members of the Venture Church family. And uh, so I'm pleased to let you know this morning that as of right now, uh we are opening up uh membership if you would like to become a part of the venture church family we would love to have you be a part of the family so what does that mean i'm going to just kind of wrap up by kind of talking about what that means to become a member of venture church most important thing is that you've accepted the lord jesus christ as your lord and savior you say well i'm not sure what that means then just talk to us send us an email, call, stop by the office, just say, I'm not sure exactly what that means, and we'll explain it to you uh, face-to-face and help you with that. But that's the most important thing, that you're, you're part of the family of God. Secondly, you must agree with and abide by what we call the Venture Church Covenant. And so since this is the first time you've probably heard those words, Venture Church Covenant, I'm gonna go over it with you here as we... As we wrap up it's 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 basically put together in nine statements and here they are regarding salvation it says i am a christian saved by grace through faith i've repented of my sins received god's forgiveness and trust jesus with my whole life statement two regarding unity and fellowship i've read and understand the venture church doctrinal statement and agree not to be divisive to its teachings I also understand the importance of submission to church leadership and will be diligent to preserve unity and peace. Third, regarding spiritual growth, I will seek to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ through the regular practice of spiritual discipline such as Bible reading, prayer, regular gathered worship attendance, community group participation and fellowship with other Christ followers, serving through the venture community and sharing the gospel within the context of my influence. Fourth, regarding stewardship, I will strive to properly manage the resources God has entrusted to me, including all my time, treasure, and talents for the glory of God, and to regularly give to the work of the Lord sacrificially, generously, and cheerfully. Regarding missional vision, I commit myself to aid in fulfilling Venture Church's missional purpose to both serve and share the gospel, beginning with my neighbors and extending to the nations and unto the ends of the earth. Regarding service, I commit to using the spiritual gifts God has given me for the building up of the church, both at Venture Church Naples and universally. Regarding unity, I covenant to practice humility and sacrificial attitude of Christ by considering the needs of others, not gossiping, and speaking spiritual, seeking spiritual friendships. 8. Regarding church discipline, I covenant to follow the biblical procedure of church discipline and submit myself to discipline if the need should ever arise. And regarding scriptural authority, I covenant to submit to the authority of the scriptures as the final arbiter on all issues. So if you agree with the Venture Church covenant and the doctrinal statement, what is the next step? Well, the next step is for you to Let us know that you would like to be part of the Venture for Church family. And the best way to do that is to simply go to our website. There's a new tab there this morning that says membership. Went live today. Click the tab that says membership and you just follow. It's right there. Step one, two, three, and four laid out, clear as a bell. Uh, All of the doctrinal statement, the the covenant, uh, the bylaws, everything that you may want to read is all available uh, on the website and you can see it there you can read over it you say after you've read those things I'd like to be part of the Venture Church family then you just click button number four and, and it'll give a, a, a brief application you'll fill that out it will come to us the pastoral team will meet go through all of the applications and then we'll notify you from there uh, as to the next step which is just setting up a time to come and sign the, the, the Venture Church Covenant And uh, you know, I really, I really do look forward as we open up this new chapter in in our church's uh, life to begin accepting members. I hope that you'll join us. You say, "Well, what if I'm a what if I'm a member of a church up north?" You can have dual membership. You can be a member while you're here, uh, and uh, also maintain your membership at at a church up uh, north. If you say, "Well, you know, can I transfer membership?" Yes, you can transfer membership. We'll be glad to notify your last church that you're transferring your membership uh, to Venture Church. Do I have to be a part of Venture Church to be involved? Do I have to be a member to be involved? Well, not in everything at all, but there will be certain things that that's open to membership. If you have any questions, you can reach out to the, us on the pastoral staff. We'll be happy to meet with you. But I hope that through this series, you just caught the heartbeat of what we're what we're wanting to do here at Venture Church, as we as we truly seek to just basically do what Jesus left us to do, but in this generation and in this geography. Southwest Florida is is our place. This is where we're to to shine. I like to say the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. We want to be great missionaries all around the world, but we need to be the greatest missionary right here in Southwest Florida, amen? Amen, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we recognize that This church is your church. It isn't my church. It isn't any group of people's church. It's your church. God, I'm privileged to be a part of it. God, I'm honored that you would use me and staff and anyone in this church to play any small part in what you're doing here. God, we believe that what we've begun here in Venture Church will outlive all of us in this room. That's my prayer in my heart, God, that this church would continue to be a beacon of light around the world but especially here in southwest florida for generations to come god i pray that you would do significant things in us and through us for your glory help us as we seek to connect the dots to folks that they would be able to see that our good deeds are done because of you and uh, father i pray that many people thousands of people will come to know christ through our ministry god i pray that there's some that are considering joining our church today god i pray that you would just Uh, give them peace at that decision, and uh, God uh, will just give you the glory for all that you do. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Let's all stand as we sing our final song.